Welcome to the Awareness Offerings Podcast, a weekly offering of yoga philosophy discussion and guided meditation for the moments we're living in. I'm your host, Laura Tara Davy Joplin. I'm a yoga and meditation teacher, spiritual social media strategist, and integrative counselor, working to integrate the principles of the spiritual path into every aspect of my work and my life. This podcast is an extension of that work as I navigate the world as a white woman devotee of yoga, living at many intersections of privilege, living in the West, and trying to live with awareness. Thank you for joining me in this work. You're listening to episode 19, The Yoga of Making Love. And yes, I am absolutely going to explain all about what that title means. It probably has less to do with sex than you think it does. But either way, welcome to another awareness offering. So happy to be here with you this week. Glad that you are here. And as always, if you'd like to support what's going on here on this show, the best way to do so is to rate and or leave a review on whatever platform you're using to listen. And if you feel called to share on social media or by word of mouth, I thank you for that as well. Um, but as always, my deepest thanks just for the art, the art, <laughs> the act and the art of showing up here uh, to listen as I share Um, what's coming up this week. So we'll start with our traditional opening ritual of singing the sound of Om one time together. Om means consciousness. It is said to be the primordial fundamental vibration or energy of consciousness. And so when we sing it, we ask for more of that energy in our own world, in our own lives. So we're asking for consciousness, asking for awareness here. And as always, you can do that by singing out loud along with me or just by listening. Both are forms of practice. And if you're coming along, I'll invite you to get your body into a comfortable position. You might close your eyes or gaze down the tip of your nose or gaze softly at the floor. Maybe softening your eyes if it's safe to do so in whatever way feels supportive. Just making the internal more apparent than the external for just a moment. Then I'll invite you to take a deep breath in through your nose if nostril breath is possible for you today. Full exhale, clear the path for consciousness with your breath. And then we'll inhale for one more or for one sound of OM together. Thank you for joining me in that practice. And now we'll move into our discussion for this week. So I am paraphrasing. This will not be the exact same wording that she used, but my spiritual teacher, Swami Jayadevi, who is a yoga monk uh, and master teacher here in Atlanta, where I live and work and practice and all of the things, um, she says... Essentially, again, paraphrasing, but she says, love is the only material in the universe that you have more of the more that you give it away. It's the only material in the universe 
that you have more of the more that you give it away. And so when I talk about the topic of the yoga of making love, which is what I have entitled this episode, I'm talking about creating love. I'm talking about the spiritual conscious practice of creating love. And yes, sometimes that can that can be connected to physical intimacy. And I'm all for that. Um, but it's not the only thing. And there are some deep spiritual, I think, implications of creating love. And so that's that's where I'm at today. That's what I'm offering. And as I'm talking about creating love, my cat is behind me scratching a cardboard box. So I'm going to create love right now uh, by lovingly just continuing to record this podcast with the acknowledgement that he is a cat and that is what he does. <laughs> so as always, um, this sensory experience may or may not include some background sounds, um, but that's where I'm at. I'm on the... Um, the wavelength of thinking about the spiritual practice of creating love. And it's feeling really pertinent in a lot of ways right now, um, as, as things do, as the things I discuss in this podcast typically do, both pertinent to my personal journey and inner world and pertinent to uh, the world around us and some things that we're moving through collectively. So love is the only material in the universe that we have more of the more that we give away. And that implies that we can create love by by giving it, by embodying it, and kind of radiating it outward. We can create the essence of love. And that feels important because it's feeling like we are in another period of time when in our cultural discourse, um, and I'm, I'm referring to kind of here in the United States, which is where I live and um, where I'm recording from. Um, so that's just to, to, to claim and be transparent that that's sort of the lens I'm looking at this through. But we're in a time in our cultural discourse where someone with a large platform and a lot of respect from a lot of people is saying things that imply that basically there's not enough love for everyone. I'm referring to Dave Chappelle. I'm referring to his most recent comedy special on Netflix, wherein he um, makes some really um, clear points about where his his views and ideologies lie. Um, this isn't the first time that he has expressed himself in this way, um, but it's received a lot of traction right now. And to me, the essence of what he has said, at least what I have um, read that he said, is basically there's not enough love for everyone. The comments that I'm referring to specifically are um, basically, you know, they, they, and I believe he's referring to the police when he says they, um, can kill us in the streets, but, you know, God forbid you hurt a gay man's feelings. And it seems as if he's referring to the... Um, systemic violence against black bodies enacted by the police and comparing that to, um, I believe, DaBaby uh, making some homophobic comments in public recently. Uh, so a lot of public discourse uh, involved in this discussion, but um, it seems like he's, he's making a comparison between violence against black bodies and someone making um, homophobic comments. And the implication of that to me is that there's not enough room for everyone. Um, 
And I, I want to be incredibly clear. I am not at all saying that the violence against black bodies is not real or valid um, or that I could even wrap my mind around that lived experience. It is absolutely not mine. Um, it's not my lane to talk much about it. Um, so I'm using it as an example in the greater context of what I'm sharing today. But I want to acknowledge he's right that it's not okay um, uh, that, that black folks are getting killed in the streets. Um, but then to make the comparison to invalidating um, the lived experience of folks who are queer, who are trans, who are gay, um, and to say, you know, one is more important than the other, I think is where there might be a mistake. I think is where the implication is that there is not enough love for everyone. Because if one person's marginalization has to be more important than another's, that means that there's not enough love and liberation and freedom to go around for everybody. And when I first, you know, spoke about the fact that, you know, we're in this time where someone is publicly saying there's not enough love for everyone, I said another time because this feels like it's happened before. Um, and I'm thinking about J.K. Rowling when she very publicly, um, very explicitly, very um, in a very dedicated way, um, came out as, as someone who um, does not support transgender people, who is okay with, okay with and actively contributes to the dehumanization of transgender people. Um, and her kind of justification for that was that she is a woman who's been sexually assaulted by men, um, and that fear plays into her discomfort um, with transgender people, which I am not an expert on why that is not a logical um kind of jump to make. Um, but I will just say that um, the essence of that um, fear is of violent men, which are which is not, um, you know, transgender people are not inherently violent. There are men who are violent, there are people who are violent, but to compare violent men to transgender people, um, as if they are one in the same, as if there is no separation. Um, one reduces transgender people to their uh, biology by saying that a transgender woman is a man and therefore has the same tendencies as a violent man. Um, and it implies the same thing. It implies that there's not enough love for everyone because her marginalization as a woman who ex has experienced gendered violence has to be more important than the marginalization of transgender people uh, both of which are real but again the mistake is where we have to where we where we imply that one has to be more important than the other that to me is the implication that there's not enough love for everyone and I think that that inherently is a fallacy because what I have been taught, as I explained in my yoga lineage, in my studies of spirituality, um, which in so many ways is a study of love, um, is that love is pretty much a limitless material and we can always have more of it by giving more of it. We can actually create it. So it is 
a real mistake to believe that there is not enough love for everyone. And another teaching of the spiritual path, specifically uh, the Buddhist path, which is one that I revere and respect and learn so much from, um, is that liberation, freedom, which is what a lot of these uh, public figures are talking about when they are comparing their marginalization to the marginalization of other groups. Liberation is an inherently collective thing. When one person gets freer, that creates more freedom for all of us. It doesn't create less freedom. We all get free when we all get free. And we all get loved when we all get loved. So I'm sitting here recording this podcast this week just thinking about the mistake of thinking that there's not enough love to go around for everyone because the teaching of the yogic and spiritual path, which is my love and my my teacher for life, um, is that we can always make love. We can always create love by giving love. And I'm actually putting that into practice in a really tangible way in my own life right now. Um, it's not directly related to the, the oppression of marginalized groups, although I believe that when we embody more love, we're much less likely to participate in the marginalization of other people. Um, but I am tangibly kind of trying to put this teaching of creating, making love into action in my life. As you probably know, if you've been listening to this podcast, uh, we've been doing this for over 19 weeks now, which is incredible, and I'm so grateful. But as you probably know, um, I am on a journey in my in my love life. I actively want a partner in life. Um, in the last few years, I have moved through some different relationships, and um, they have all pretty much dissolved and I am very single right now and I am using this as a time to learn the lessons from those relationships, um, learn about my patterns and get myself more free, right? Um, So I can embody more love both for the world and in partnership. Um, So I am actively seeking a partner right now um, and it just, it feels like this is a time where it's, it's really difficult to meet people. And it's difficult for uh, connection to happen for a number of reasons. And it's easy to feel like no matter how much I ask for my partner, which I am actively asking um, in my practices in many different ways, that no matter how much I ask, it's just not happening right now. And it's easy to get so impatient and just keep asking for what I want and asking for what I want. Um, But recently I've had a shift around that, around how I am approaching that. Um, it was first inspired by the new moon that was the most recent new moon we had um, in October of 2021. <laughs> I forgot the year. I believe it was. It was October. Yes, it was beginning of October and the new moon was in the constellation of Libra. And Libra is represented by the scales. Um, and so much of the teaching that I, I learned from the folks around me and some teachers on social media is that um, not only is it about asking for what we want, but being really clear about what we're willing to give. Um, Because if we're just asking and just asking, that can get a little bit stale um, and that can kind of move us away from love sometimes. Because don't get me wrong, there is nothing wrong with asking for love. But according to this spiritual principle that I've been taught that love happens when we give it away, that when we we actively create it by giving it, Um, we have to be willing to give it to receive it. And so 
I have made, it, it took a while. It didn't happen instantaneously. I didn't hear that teaching from my teacher and then hear that teaching around the scales and the Libra moon and then just snap my fingers and have this mindset shift. It took a couple weeks for it to land and it just happened kind of randomly when I was on a long drive, as many of my spiritual insights do. Um, where I made a shift around how I am actually asking for love, for specifically romantic partnership love in my life. Because I was driving and I was just saying out loud to whomever was listening, um, you know, I'm ready. I'm ready for my husband. I'm ready for my partner. I'm ready for my lover. Um, I'm praying for you to come. Um, And at first, when I said I'm praying for you, that's what I meant. I'm praying for you, my partner, whomever or wherever you are to come to me and to um, appear in my life, basically. But something clicked in my head. There was some sort of sacred intervention in my mind in that moment where I kind of had that that spark of awareness. And I said, wait a second, but I'm also praying for you. I'm actually just praying for you. And um, if the word prayer uh, doesn't quite resonate with you, um, to me, it's also, it's just offering intentions. It's offering heartfelt intentions to um, something bigger than us, however you might name that. But I had that light bulb spark moment of awareness where I said, no, I can actually just pray for you and I'm going to do that. And so I started to say out loud, you know, beloved, my love, whomever or wherever you are, I hope that you're well. I pray that you're at peace. I pray that you feel contentment and joy. I pray that if life is difficult right now, you feel like you have the resources and the comfort that you need. I pray that you are growing and connected. And I just started praying that my future partner, whoever they are, is is feeling whole and well and peaceful and loved um, because I love them already. That's the reality of kind of the expansiveness of love is that I love them already. I am, I absolutely, like when I think about meeting the person that I, that will be my partner, even if it takes, you know, weeks or months or years for me to realize that I love them, I love them already. And there's a lot of conversation to be had about, you know, the nature of time and the nature of love and thinking about how, you know, the love that exists in the future already exists now. But for so many reasons, I love them already. And there's nothing stopping me from giving that love away right now, even if I don't have the specific vessel of a person and a name to give it to. That person already exists in some way and the love already exists. And so I can give it away. And it was such a sweet shift just in that moment because it felt so much richer than just doing nothing but asking. Because after a while, that can just start to feel like grabbing and, and getting patient and, and excuse me, getting impatient and frustrated. Whereas this was just a rich flow of love, just tapping into the flow of love that already exists. And it made me feel more loved in that moment. It made me feel more at peace in that moment because I'm already loved. The love already exists and I can already feel the love and embody the love Um, both that I want to give and receive and benefit from it right now. And I do believe and trust that by radiating that love out, I do make it a little easier for the person that is supposed to receive it to find me kind of like creating a pathway of love for them to follow into my life. But it's even if it takes a while for them to follow that path, it's a little easier to be... um, 
just more open to the timing of things and however things unfold when I choose to just embody the love that I have for this person right now by just praying for them, loving them, supporting them, even in just an energetic way, if that's all I can do right now. And I felt a shift in my heart by making that choice. And it feels like I have more love, which benefits me right now. It benefits my future partner and it benefits the world because there's more love in the world. And so I have really felt an embodied sense of the truth of what my teacher has said, that love is a a wild and profound material that multiplies as we give it away and the yoga of making love is just the yoga of embodying love of being willing to offer love however we can even if it looks a little wild even if we don't have a specific person to receive it and even if we feel like even if our initial mind response is that by opening to love for all people there might be less love for us But when we actively reject that notion that there's not enough love for everyone in in terms of systemic oppression and the freedom of all people, and when we actively reject the idea that we have to have a person to give love to right now in order to embody love, more love happens. And I believe in more love. That is my deepest yogic and spiritual practice is that I believe in more love. And so now we will put this into practice together as we do after some discussion just on the nature of love, a very casual thing to talk about um, on, you know, I'm recording this on a Thursday, but whenever you're listening to it, now we will embody the, the, the yoga of creating love in practice because we can, that's, that's one of the other kind of teachings around this, I think, is that, of course, we can talk about embodying, creating, giving love away all we want. We can think about it all we want, but the shift really happens and the embodiment happens when we embody it, when we practice it. So now is the time on the Awareness Offerings podcast where we will go into meditative practice together. If you're doing something that precludes you from sitting still for a while, this might be a moment to pause the podcast and come back when you're ready to meditate. But if you're coming along right now, I invite you to get yourself into a comfortable seat. And a comfortable seat is any seat. As long as you can lengthen your spine, as always, the spine is the central channel of the body. It's how the nervous system sends signals. Um, it's how it's where our energy moves. Um, so when the spine is long, things just communicate better and there's a flow and a connection. So that's why a long spine. But there's really no other requirements for a meditation seat. You can sit on the floor. If you're going to, I will highly recommend that you sit on something, whether it's a cushion, a pillow, a towel. Just get your hips a little higher than your knees. You can also sit with your back against the wall for back support. You can put blocks or props or pillows under your knees for knee support. You can cross your legs in the classical meditative posture, but you don't have to. You can sit with your legs extended, knees bent with one or two feet on the floor. You can sit on your heels. You could also sit in a chair or on your bed, right? Just find your long spine. And as you do that, you might close your eyes. You might gaze down the tip of your nose or gaze at the floor.
as always, just beginning to soften your gaze in any way that is safe and supportive for you to prioritize your internal landscape a little more than the noise and chaos of the external, at least for the next few minutes. Not as a way of hiding from the noise and chaos and reality of the external world, but taking refuge in practice for a few minutes to resource ourselves, to generate that capacity to embody love in the world as it is. And so here we are. You might begin to settle into the rhythm of your breath, perhaps noticing as air comes in through your nose and moves back out through your nose if nostril breathing is accessible for you. It might not be, and that's okay. It also might not be the most supportive thing for you to notice your breath. That might feel too intense for you for whatever reason. So you might choose something else that is happening in the present moment. There might be a sound in the room with you. You might feel air on your skin or the weight of your clothing on your skin. There might be a smell even. Anything that's happening right now, whether it is the rhythm of your breath or something else, just to start to remind you that you are also happening right now and to begin to orient your brain, body, and nervous system to the steadier nature of the present moment. And as you orient to the present moment, your mind will still be a part of it. You will probably still have thoughts come and you're not meditating badly or wrong because you have thoughts. Instead, you're simply trying to use these tools, these practice tools to access the place in you that is deeper, more real, a little quieter, more loving than your thoughts. And there's a tool that comes from my teacher's teacher, from my, the, the master teacher of my yoga lineage, Majaya, a simple tool, mindset tool in meditation. When the thoughts come, you can just say, not now. Just say, not now. It doesn't have to be harsh. In fact, it can be loving, right? We're already practicing creating love. Just saying, not now, to reorient yourself to whatever present moment reality you're focusing on return to the moment and actually build your mind's capacity to go beyond the thoughts and get a little more present each time. Just teaching yourself to meditate by consciously reorienting yourself from your thoughts to your moment over and over. In this container of intentional practice, we'll go into a simple 
meditation based on the Buddhist practice of loving kindness, of intentionally offering the energy of love. Not exactly like that. It'll be a little more simplified um, just to practice the yoga of making love, the yoga of creating love. If you hear a jostle, I am I, I tend to speak with my hands and my hands are under my desk and I don't think about it. <laughs> Sometimes I tap the desk that the microphone is on while my hands are moving. So we go into this practice. And I just want to offer you the space to choose someone or something or situation, but someone might be more accessible, but you decide someone that you want to offer love to today in this moment right now. For me, it would likely be my future partner, whomever, wherever they may be, um, just offering that embodied love as my practice has been. For you, it might be your current partner, your kids, your parents, your teachers, someone that you know and it feels really straightforward and natural to offer them love. For you, it might also be a future um, relationship or interaction that you're not sure about yet, but you still want to offer the love to it. It might be someone that you have a little difficulty with, that you have a sticky or somewhat challenging relationship with, because to create more love in that relationship, you can also, you can embody love. And that can sometimes kind of change the energy of the relationship. So you might choose someone that feels a little difficult. You don't have to, especially if that feels painful or like it could be activating for your nervous system. But I offer all these options because I really just want to open the space. I am guiding and offering suggestions, but this is your practice. So you choose someone, whether they be dead or alive, someone that you know yet or don't know yet, someone that's easy to love or more difficult, but you choose someone or something or situation that you want to offer love to. And then we'll use the offering of love to that person or situation as a mantra, as a sacred repetition for the mind to use to deepen our experience of the present moment and of love. So I'd like to ask you to picture this person in front of you. If it's someone you don't know yet, maybe you just feel their essence or you picture what you think that they'll look like or what you want them to look like. If it's someone you do know, see them. And whoever it is, just imagine feeling their essence in front of you as if you're sitting across from them, just bringing them to mind in your mind's eye, kind of a visualization meditation. And then going into the mantra, you just breathe in, I love you. I hope you're well. I hope you're content. I hope you're peaceful. I hope you're joyful. I hope you are well-resourced. I hope you are cared for. I love you. I hope you're peaceful. I hope you're well. I hope you're content. I hope you're joyful. I hope you're well-resourced. I hope you're cared for. I love you. I hope that you are peaceful. I hope that you're well. I hope that you're content. I hope that you're joyful. I hope that you're well resourced. 
I hope that you're cared for. I love you. I hope that you're peaceful. I hope that you're well. I hope that you're content. I hope that you're joyful. I hope that you're well resourced. I hope that you're cared for. I love you. I hope that you are well. I hope that you're peaceful. I hope that you're content. I hope that you're joyful. I hope that you're well resourced. I hope that you're cared for. I know that's a lot of words, so you might just choose a few that resonate with you. You might create your own that embody that same intention of just offering love to this person you want to love today, whoever it may be. And you breathe them in and you breathe them out like a mantra. And love becomes your practice. taking a deep breath in letting the breath go and you can release the mantra as you do so and you can in your mind's eye just imagine looking at this person or this formless essence of a person you have yet to meet whoever it is looking at them in front of you and now just breathing in thank you breathing out thank you 
Gratitude is a deep form of love and a quality of the heart. So I have been taught. So you breathe in, thank you. You breathe out, thank you. And you just say to them, thank you for teaching me how to love. And you ask them lovingly to depart. Almost as if they could dissolve in your field of vision. Or they maybe they get up and walk away in your mind's eye. So that you're just left with the love. And I'll invite you for these next few breaths to use your present moment awareness. To notice how you feel. How does it feel to offer love, to make love on purpose? What is the embodied sensation? What physical, emotional, and energetic sensations do you feel in your body? Where do you feel them? I'll invite you to notice in particular the center of your chest, the energetic center of love. Notice what the sensation, what the reality is there. It's taking a few breaths to witness yourself in the practice of embodying love to be more loved and to be a force for love in the world, which I have been taught is a really deep and profound yoga practice. Yoga means union or wholeness, and nothing creates wholeness like love. Nothing helps us allow for wholeness, allow for the experience of all people. Allow ourselves to give and receive love and be love. Like love. (laughs) Nothing creates wholeness like love. Just... Just taking a moment to witness the embodied experience of whatever love is landing in you like today. And then take a deep breath in through your nose. Exhale through your mouth just to ground yourself. Two more like that. Last time. And then begin to blink your eyes open as you're ready. Maybe move around. Just returning to the space around you and ending the formal meditation. But I will invite you to hold awareness of how you feel on an internal level. Maybe particularly at the center of your chest. Perhaps the feelings you just generated by embodying love are still there. And they don't go away. As always, the practice doesn't stop. And what really matters is this, this next moment where we get to consciously bring that embodiment of love into our day, into our relationship with ourselves, our relationships, plural in life, and into the world. Thank you for joining me for this awareness offering and for going into embodied practice with me. You can find me on social media at Lara Tara 
L-A-U-R-A-T-A-R-A on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. My intro and outro music was created by none other than my very own brother, Oxella Sun, O-X-E-L-A-S-U-N, whom you can also find on Instagram. <laughs>